Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Check the description to get details on how you can contact us and share your thoughts. Remember to follow this podcast so that you get notified when a new episode is released. Feel free to leave a rating and review as well. Live Harmony is available on all of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check your preferred podcast platform for availability. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live Harmony. You can also email us at info at liveharmony.com. And until next time, continue inspiring each other to live in harmony. Hey everyone, I'm Asha Laps. And I'm Kurt Henry. And we are your hosts for Live Harmony. Live Harmony is about stories that inspire. Being, doing, and having more. Impacting our communities. Relationships that transform. Learning, growing, and giving. Live Harmony, living the life we love. And loving the life we live. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Live Harmony. Today we have our guest, Rachel Lee Rickards. Rachel Lee is an artsy-fartsy Toronto girl who has a creative brain that never shuts off. So why Real Talk Candles? About a year ago, she was decked in the face by a complete stranger just standing waiting for an Uber. Ah, it's no big deal. I'll get over it, is what she told herself. And well, it wasn't that easy. Getting more and more afraid to walk freely in public, she took to candle making as a way to avoid the building anxiety. It was the one thing she knew would bring her peace. She's also a writer, a playwright, and hosted a Facebook show called Real Talk with Rachel Lee for two years. Well known by her followers as being unfiltered, she took her level of real talk and controversial conversation and slapped them on her candles. And so Real Talk Candles was born. The goal of Real Talk Candles is more than just a scented candle. It's a statement. It's the kind of candle that causes conversations, some funny and some heartwarming, but always real. Each candle is hand poured with love and Rachel wouldn't have it any other way. She truly hopes that you enjoy these candles as much as she loves making them. Welcome to another episode of Live Harmony. I am here with my co-host Asha Lab. Hello. And today's special guest, Rachel Lee Rickards. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Hi. And today we're going to be talking to Rachel about the business of candles and the woman behind the candle making. And so we're just excited. I'm excited to learn more about this journey that you went on. And so we're just going to, we'll get right into it. And why don't we just allow you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself. Just describe who you are. Okay, so as mentioned, my name is Rachel Lee, and I'm Jamaican born, grew up with some very traditional West Indian parents who had, you know, visions of me having a quote unquote profession. And my, my journey went uh, quite differently than, than I'm sure even they had expected. I am a aunt. Uh, I am a best friend. I am a writer. And you know, I'm a storyteller. I, I, I would pretty much say my life, whether it's been theater or candles, a lot of it has to do with giving voice and also being a storyteller. Love it. When we think about when I hear Jamaican background and upbringing, yeah. the first thing I think about is childhood. Uh, yes. What, what, do you, what was your childhood like? You know, who I am now is very similar to who I was back then so always a bit of a performer I was the one that would you know perform and dance and sing at the big people parties and I grew up in a very West Indian home so my parents though I you know we came to Canada I was born in Jamaica came to Canada at a very young age my my parents made it a thing to ensure that we were educated on art and you know Louise Bennett and folk dance and pantomime and they really did instill that West Indian culture you know when we didn't have homework anymore homework was done we were learning Louise Bennett poems so uh, it's you know with that also I believe there's just certain upbringing that there is an understanding amongst other West Indian people that you're just brought up with a level of respect and fear of God if you are, you know, disrespectful or, you know, you learn really early what's right and what's wrong. And 
you know, as you grow older, you, you appreciate it. But as a child, yeah, my parents didn't joke around. <laughs> I, I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> so why don't we, why don't you take us from some of your earlier experiences to the candle business? Wow. Give us some, was, some of your oh man. major <laughs> career milestones. And then all of a sudden now I'm in candles. If you can kind of walk us through that. Yeah, it's, uh, I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, I don't know if I should be proud of this or just like people will be like, boy, she's done a lot of things. But, you know, I think everything that I've done has led me to where I am now. So I had two sides. I was very much on the corporate side of things and I was a corporate trainer for many years and in management. And then, but even before that, I went to school for social service workers. So I wanted to, you know, be a counselor and, and, and help, help people. And then halfway through my course, I was like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. It was too heavy for me and I was uh, just too emotionally invested. And that's one of the things you should never do if you're in social services, not get too connected. So I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I definitely still wanted to make an impact. At the time I was doing social work, I was... I did the reading for this little play called The Kink in My Hair. Trey Anthony and I were best friends in high school. So we kind of grew. And when she did the reading, um, I, I wasn't even supposed to be in The Kink. I just said, the person didn't show up. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'll, I'll just read it for you. So said, so done. I continued to be in the kink and we traveled. We were young and had no money to put into any budget, but it was just such a wonderful experience to travel to like New York and Nova Scotia and, and learn so much about our culture, even in Canada. So that was an amazing, amazing experience. After that, I decided that I wanted to continue to tell stories. So I co-wrote my first play, I'm Not a Dinner Mint, uh, which is basically I'm Not an Afterthought. And it was the story of five women choosing not to come second in their lives. And, you know, it was a well-needed play. It was some of my own personal stories, as well as some of the women that I have known and Trey had known along the way. After that, The Kink in My Hair became a television show, and I came on second season to be a writer on the show because they wanted more authentic Caribbean voices. So I did come on and I did some writing and don't love TV writing as much as I do theater. I feel like theater allows you to express without limits of words on a page, and you're not having to worry about product placement or anything like that. So it was a good experience, but it wasn't something that allowed me to really storytell as much as I wanted to. When we were doing The Kink in My Hair, there was a production space that we had on Queen Street and there was a little back room. And I realized, you know, when I was in high school, all I wanted to be was Rizzo from Greece. I just really wanted to be Rizzo. I could sing, act, and dance. I was a, what you'd call a triple threat. And I auditioned for almost everything. And I never got one role in a theater um, play in high school. So, you know, because I didn't fit the role of Rizzo. I was chubby and I was, you know, a Black woman. And it just back then, I just didn't fit the role. So I realized with the little backspace that I had, I was just like, hmm, what can I do back here? I really want to do something that can inspire. So I said, you know, I want to do a school for children of color because I think that they should have a space on stage because I think it's time to change the face of theater. And I want little chubby Black girls to play Rizzo and I want, you know, tall, lanky little boys to play, you know, Danny. Right. And so my first production was Grease. Put it out to the community and the community embraced it. And so Broadway Bound Theater Academy for Children of Color was launched and it ran for about five years. And I'd say about 600 students walked through our doors, which I'm very proud of. And we, we did things like we did The Wiz instead of The Wizard of Oz. I rewrote, we did little 
Urban Annie. This was before Will Smith did Black Annie. And I rewrote, you know, to fit children in. And I just wanted to give them that professional acting experience. We were first class. And not only were we teaching them how to be actors, but we were instilling self-esteem. And, and like we had talks about our hair and our skin. And uh, it was, it's beautiful. It's something I'm very, very proud of. But at the time, it wasn't like it is today. There wasn't, you know, Black Queens of Durham where I could shout it out and all the mothers would find out about it. There wasn't other groups where I could just say, hey, you know. Um, and so I found it really hard to be putting my own finances into something. It, it was tough. So unfortunately, I did have to walk away from Broadway Bound. But man, I've, I, I really, I like some of my students still, you know, they still call me Miss Rachel. And it's, it's a lovely experience. So, so then <laughs> I went back to corporate. Then I moved into events and I started doing um, this show called Inside His Head, which was a talk panel of all men. Um, I had been single for at the time and I was realizing I was making, I was dating the same person just in a different body. And I realized that maybe it was something I was doing. So I took a year off and I said, I'm going to be single. And I'm, I'm actually just going to nurture relationships with men on a platonic basis. And so I met two guys that were in my building. I'm still friends with one of them today. And I just started having conversations with them, asking them questions about relationships and what they thought about this and that. And they would tell me the truth and I'd be like, oh my gosh, people need to, women need to hear this. So the producer in me was just like, you know what, I'm just going to gather a couple of women, tell them about it, you know, have this panel of men. And it's like being on the inside of a man's locker room for the night. Little did I know how needed it was at the time. I think the first show, there was like 12 women that came out and then 12 turned to 50, turned to 100, turned to 500 women that would come out to these shows. So it was crazy. You know, I've always been one to love conversation. I don't know if you remember, there was a magazine called Sway Magazine back in the day and um, I was the advice columnist. So it was real relationships with Rachel Lee. And then I moved on to a Facebook show called Real Talk with Rachel Lee and then Real Talk Candles came along. So I don't think Real Talk Candles would have gotten its name without Real Talk with Rachel Lee or Real Relationships with Rachel Lee. And so that's where I'm at today. I told you there was a lot. That, uh, the lot is good. I, I, I'm enjoying the journey that you just shared. It's a, like you said, you're a storyteller and I, you can see how it weaves in and now you're telling stories with candles. I've seen some of those those stories on those candles something uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome I, i'm glad that you're continuing that passion just in a different form it's uh, super crazy rachel because I, I followed you you know for so many years we've been connected and connected through people and i was just like yeah oh my gosh you did that oh my gosh i forgot you did that and you did that and you did that that's and crazy. Uh, you know i'm somebody who thinks that i think that you can have different passions so i, I love how everything has kind of connected from one thing to the next thing. Thank it's you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, and I just, I really hear your heart when you talk about your Broadway bound. Mm, and I remember yeah. that as well. So yeah. um, even if, you know, you said you have to walk away after a certain period of time, such an impact that you made even during that time. And the ripples thank are you. still living on now. So yeah, love thank that. You. In your, your bio that uh, the folks would have heard, you talked about a particular, the incident that kind of catapulted you to where you are now so yeah you, you had an, an incident happen unfortunate incident you want to maybe share a bit with our audience what sure. happened and then kind sure. of tell us like obviously would you have imagined that that would have come to this and, yeah no. and, and how you know sometimes things happen that can be quite traumatic that could be turned around into absolutely. something purposeful so if you want to just share, share yeah absolutely so I like to call it the pivotal punch and it literally, that's exactly what it was. I was a event producer for a builder at the time. And I was standing outside my workplace, minding my own business. And I was waiting for an Uber 
to come along. And uh, I was with my boss actually at the time. And I was talking to her sideways. And then a man who was suffering with mental health, and he was also going through a episode, he broke free from his workers and literally just beelined across the street at me and just pulled back and hit me in the face and hit me so hard. Now, Asha, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a petite lady. Okay. I am solid. Um, and I got hit and I went flying and hit a wall. And that's, that is the extreme of which I got hit. Um, so it was a, it was a very scary, I ran in, someone pulled me into a building and they called the police and you know, I like to say, unfortunately, I think the system ha hasn't protected him or me. There's just not enough resources for people with mental health. And so I was black eyed. I had a concussion, cracked nose, the whole bit. I had a condo launch that week. And, you know, particularly, you know, black women were, were stereotyped as strong. You know, so I just felt, you know what, I'll just go home. I'll, you know, cover it up with makeup in a couple of days. I'll go and do the condo launch. So that's what I did. And I went back the next week and I was at the launch and there was a lot of customers and buyers and real estate agents around and everybody was coming up to me asking questions, but they were coming behind me or maybe their voice would be like, hey, Rachel, and I would leap out of my skin. And I realized in that moment, you know, I'm not okay. So I actually jumped in a cab and on the, on the way home, I sent human resources an email saying, I need to take time off. I, I, I need it. So I took time off and of course, you know, it's like, ah, yeah, I have a break, but that break turned into panic attacks. I started having panic attacks. I started having anxiety leaving the house my best friend, she would have to be on the phone with me while I walked down the street. I tried to do things I love like theater. I went to go see a theater show, but I had to sit at the very edge closest to the door. Or if I went out with friends, we had to make sure we sat at the, the, the you know, the booth and pay this money to sit in a booth because I was too afraid to be in the crowd. And then it slowly got worse. I couldn't go to the grocery store. I'd be in the grocery store. And one day I just abandoned a cart and ran out and couldn't breathe. And it was pretty bad. Actually, it got really, really bad. And so it got to the point where I said, I have to do something. And so I knew that there was a small class in the distillery, a candle making class. So I went there before the candle making class took place. I, I went in to look around where the doors were so I could leave. And so I went in, it was a small class. I made it through and it was a beginner class. It wasn't anything as in depth as even the classes I teach now, but it was enough to spark an interest. So like most things, how I learn is YouTube. That's my university. Uh, I jumped on, I found out how, how to, you know, refine the, the things that I had learned in the class. I bought some wax from like Michael's, which is very, very, it's not the wax that, I, you know, a professional candle maker makes, but I bought wax. I bought some fragrance oils and I just started making candles. Now I, at this time, I wasn't thinking about a business. I was going to be going back to work. I just thought in the meantime, You've always loved art as a child. Like I used to bedazzle everything in high school with a glue gun. Like the nineties, you had like glitz everything. So I would, I would like glue gun everything. So, but I remember it being very therapeutic. So I said, let's start making these candles and I'd give it to like neighbors and I'd give it to like friends and going, yeah, you know, I'm doing these candles. Can you even smell this candle? Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I started and kept going and kept going and really, really was like enjoying this. So I said, ah, you know, what would be really cool is if I put like some offensive stuff on these candles or, or if I was really transparent and I, you know, I put what I was thinking on these candles 
why not? I mean, it's my candles, right? I, it's my stuff. So I decided that my first candle was the anxiety candle because I wanted to like laugh a little bit about it and just put it out there, right? So instead of me being afraid of people seeing me having a panic attack, I was just like, no, oh, I'm just going to put it on the candle. You've been warned. Like <laughs> I have anxiety. I have panic. And so, you know, I drop F-bombs on my candles, but it has to be smart. It has to be clever. I'm not going to be just dropping F-bombs because it's, you know, I'm dropping F-bombs. It has to be clever. And so my second candle was the West Indian mother candle. Who can't hear must feel. For those that are not West Indian, that means pretty much if you don't listen, you're in trouble and you're, you know, you're probably going to get spanking or because I grew up in that world where my parents did not hesitate to, you know, threaten me with the belt. That's just a West Indian thing. It, it, it is what it is, at least when I was growing up. And that's kind of, I threw up a little website. I had a personal Instagram at the time. And I said, guys, you know, I think I'm going to do an Instagram page, real talk. Follow me if you wish. And I think maybe about 200 people followed me. And I just dove into this world of storytelling and making space for candle, like for people through candles. That's how it started. And it kind of just, it was like a tumbleweed. It just got faster and faster. I think the world, I think the community needed it. We were scared and sad and the pandemic. And I, I think I've provided some joy and some laughter and some honesty. And I think that's why we'll talk continues to grow because it's honest real talk yeah love it and tell us about like the model initially selling them so if if I'm remembering correctly watching it was like you made some asked your audience hey what do you think of this made a few then they sold out then you made some more then they sold out mm -hmm. so did that kind of happen like on purpose or it's kind of that was like the natural progression and of it because I it's like you in included your audience in in the journey absolutely made them vote on what they loved you know absolutely I will say two things I'm naturally a relationship builder and I'm also a good marketer I really know how to market, whether it's a show or it's candles. I know how to put bums in seats in shows and I know how to create a buzz. And with everything that I've done, it's, it's not that I'm faking it because I really am who I am when I go on my stories and I talk because not only have I shown my successes on my Instagram, but I've also shown my failures and fears. I've done a, a, a live where I ended up breaking down crying and I had thought about taking it down, but I was like, mm, no, keep it up because it is a part of the story. And I think when I share myself and I am, I put myself a naked soul out there to my followers, they are committed to me. And I think it's the reason why when we went into Indigo, we were given that opportunity, sisters were lining up because they wanted to see me win, you know, they wanted to see our stories. And so, yes, I, I would put it out there. I most recently, as of yesterday, I put a, a, a poll up because I'm deciding, and I haven't even announced this to the Instagram page yet, is while I'm in Indigo in Ajax and Oshawa, I've been dying to meet my West Enders, but being an indigo, there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of things that people don't know about. They're like, well, why don't you come to Brampton? And why aren't you in Mississauga? It's not easy to get into indigos and we're not with head office. So we are on a case by case basis. And, you know, I don't see Brampton happening right now. So I'm like, you know, with everything else that I've done, whether it's mounting a show or, traveling, you know, with, with, you know, I'm not a dinner mint or whatever. I had to make space for myself. So where there is no space, you make space. So I'm about to announce to my audience, or I call them the candle family, help me with this tour. So I, I'm, the plan is if I can doing a real talk candle tour where I'm going to be popping up in different areas 
so I can reach other people. And it doesn't have to be an indigo. It can be a one pop-up, you know, at another small business or in a mall for a day or whatever. And I think that's why they are committed because, yeah, I do share and say, you guys like this scent or, you know, this scent smells like this. What do you think about this? And, and so they feel a part of the process. Yeah. And I think that works in that though, it's good marketing, you know, fantastic marketing, unintentional, but intentional. That makes no sense. (laughs) It makes lots of sense. Right. But it is, it is who it is. I am who I am. So people are buying really great candles, but I am, I am also the brand. So they're buying the candles, they're buying the words, but they're also buying it to support me. And I never forget that. Nice. And that, that is very evident. Yeah. And and how you love your people. It is. I do. Yeah. So next question, what was it like? I remember you, as you shared your journey, you showed pictures of making candles from home. So what was that like? When did you know it was time to get a space and needing to hire staff? Again, when I put the website up, I was just, you know, I'm going to put a little candle, a couple candles, you know, and I didn't realize that they would sell out so quickly. So I am pretty sure my neighbors think that I was cooking meth. I swear to you. So I'll tell you why. So most candle makers, they'll start with a little pot and they'll put the wax in the pot and then they'll put the pot in a pot of boiling water. So it's kind of, it's called a double boiler. So the hot water will will make the inner pot get hot and melt the wax. I ain't got no time for that. So I got a, it looked like, it looks like a rice cooker. And then I went to Canadian Tire and I got a drill and a faucet and I drilled a hole through this rice cooker and I made a little faucet. So when it melted, it would just like pour. So, but my condo is not big. And so I have these French doors that I would open up because I would need air circulating while I'm making these candles. So you see me across the way. I have white stuff. People can't see what it is. It's just slabs of white stuff that I'm putting in a pot. And then I am pouring wax, which is now liquid. And because it is so, so much uh, fragrance, I would wear like a mask, like a painter's mask. So I'm like on Breaking Bad. Yeah. Looking like I'm doing Breaking Bad up in my house. So I started to make that. My living room started to get crowded. I would line up the candles on the floor. I had boxes and peanuts and bubble wrap. Like I couldn't move in my house. I had to turn sideways to go out the front door, literally. So then I started to go a little stir crazy. And my neighbors, God bless them, uh, we had couriers. Like, you're not supposed to do couriering in a condo and we every tuesday we would the, the 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 packages would be from the floor to the ceiling and it just it wasn't working anymore i wasn't sure how i was going to do it i wasn't sure how i was going to afford it but i i jumped on facebook marketplace and i just happened to find a little room on the esplanade not even a whole office just a little room and so we moved there and then my neighbor, so it was like two offices within an office and my neighbor in the office, he moved out. So I said, oh my gosh, okay. Can I afford like to take the whole office over? And so I did. And I thought, okay, cool. I'm going to be here for a good while. This is great rent. I can make it happen. And then I was told that I could not make candles in my office anymore because neighbors were complaining. So they were like, we really like you, Rachel, but you can't make candles. So I was like, what do you mean? I like, you can like me till the cows come home. What am I supposed to do? So luckily, Michael Thompson is deputy mayor. He had reached out to me prior to any of this happening because he had found out about this little company called Real Talk. And so I called him bawling my eyes out. Like, I don't know what to do. I just, they're kicking me out. I had no idea what I was going to do. And he was fortunate enough to say, you know, Rachel, I've seen you hustle. I've seen, I've seen you try and give me a couple of days. And he was able to find this space that we're in right now in Leslieville. And it's expensive, not going to lie. And it's scary. And I am still going, 
am I going to be able to afford this long term? And that's why my audience follows me, because I'm not afraid to say, guys, I'm scared. It's a big undertaking in, in just over a year. I have five staff now. Who's paying the five staff if the candles aren't being sold? Do you know what I mean? So it is still very, very scary and exciting. Yeah, it's been a complete whirlwind. And my heart is just beating listening to you. <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> I got a question for you in terms of the candles and the and what you're selling. Sure. And how do you look at what you're selling? Do you look at it as a product, an experience, entertainment? What are you selling? What are what are you people buying from you when they're buying this candle? Is it just the product? How do you look at it? I, you know, our tagline is the candles that start conversations. I think people are initially drawn to our candles because of what we say on the candles, how we create a conversation. Like there's no doubt if you have a real talk candle, it's in your home and people come to visit you and they see your candle. Y'all are going to talk about the candle. I think people come originally for what's on it. I think they return because of the quality of the candle. I've been told, uh, well, I know our candles burn extremely slow. They have a very, uh, it wafts, as I like to say. So it kind of, it's this warm smell throughout the house. It's not overpowering, but it's not, you can't smell it either. It's kind of somewhere in the middle of the road. I think what also makes us stand apart is we have a wooden wick. So I, we didn't start out with a wooden wick. I then found wooden wicks that crackle and that's perfect with branding, real talk and the wicks talk too. I think I introduced a product. So it definitely is a product. It's just a product with personality. So it's both. I think people are, are buying into a journey and experience and some damn good candles. So from, from your class of taking candle making that inspired you to, to go on this journey, what goes into where you are now? Because you said you don't do it the same way. You kind of came up your own way and you even became a handyman in the process and started drilling yeah. pots and stuff. What yeah. goes into making a candle? Well, we have actually improved from our little pots now. Our pots used to hold or pour 12 candles. Again, I made the leap and the jump to buy a large uh, tank. And so we can pour 250 candles at a time. And that's really helpful. So we buy a particular wax that professional wax makers there's a few, there's a few suppliers across North America. So I buy, you know, a high grade wax and then there are fragrance oils as well. A lot of people will say, well, do you do essential oils? Uh, and no, we don't do essential oils because essential oils are actually not meant to be heated up. So when you think about like a lavender oil and you see like, you know, the diffusers, the cool mist perfect. That is what essential oils, you know, should be used for or topically, not all essential oils, but some are topical for the skin or inhaling, right? Like if, if, if you have a headache and you're having like, I forget what it is, if it's lemongrass or eucalyptus, not sure, or lavender. So it's a science actually. People have no idea how, how intricate making a candle is. People think, Oh, it's just, look at her. She's, you know, pouring a little fragrance in wax. There's different wax for different fragrances. If I'm using one type of wax, then it has to cool down to a certain level before I put the fragrance oil in. Or the other waxes, it's higher heat when I put the fragrance oil in. You know, to pour them, at first we have to put wicks in the jars and then we pour the candle and then we leave it overnight. And when we leave it overnight in the morning, I like to say the wax burps because there's like a hole. And then we have to smooth it out with a heat gun and make sure, fill that hole and make sure that it is completely smooth on top. And then what we do is we cap it and it's like wine. So the next day, if you were to come in and smell the candles, you would, you know, You'd smell it, but it wouldn't be strong. Cap it for a couple of days and it just cures. And when you uncap it in about two to three days, it's a completely different smelling candle. 
you know, uh, we definitely are in a rhythm now. So it's not just me leveling things off. I have a team. Uh, we've just hired two more, two more seasonal people. Yeah, we're getting, we have a little engine going on here now, but it's definitely a process that we, we do candle making classes. I have paused it uh, because right now for candle makers, November and December is crazy. I cannot keep up with candle, candles and candle making, but we've done about four classes and everybody that comes in is like, oh my God, I had no idea that this is how much it takes. So People that hand make candles, you know, we can't keep up with like Bath and Body Works that's major factories and pumping out thousands per, you know, 10 minutes. And so, you know, I, I, I have to say even before when I wasn't doing handmade stuff, ah, I was that Bath and Body Works girl that would wait for the sale and then buy like 20 of them for a specific price. Our candles aren't cheap. Our candles aren't crazy but they're not cheap. And it's not because we want to be greedy or it's because there's overhead and staff and because we choose high quality ingredients that we have to. But we, like personally, I think our candles are really reasonably priced for the quality they're getting. Nice. And how did you get into from making the candles as a business to doing the classes as well? How did the class part come into it? How did it? Well, I think I mentioned I was a corporate trainer, so I love teaching and Broadway bounds. So I love teaching. And I also felt like I missed teaching and it's sort of a mix of teaching and spending the night with Rachel Lee. So there's conversation and there's laughter and it's inviting you into my world. And again, Asha talked about, you know, my audience, my candle family, right? So when I opened the store, I had an opening. Come in, take a look at the tank. Come and take a look at the fragrance oils. Come smell them. See the things that we do. And so it's that continuation of, it's a continuation of, of sharing my story. So now you are coming into my world and, and nothing changes. So the classes are just a continuation come and learn, come and be in my world. And, and then you'll also appreciate how much we do. That is awesome. Are you teaching your way of making candles that you make for the clients? Or are you kind of simplifying it for those that are just getting involved or started? Is like, in this class, or is this an intensive? I actually don't simplify it. I actually really take them through it. You know, we talk about the different types of wax, they feel the wax. I talk about temperature and they all pour candles. Then I pull some candles that have been there the night before. So they have to fill the candles. Then we do, we put stones in the candles because that's another thing that people really like. Oh no, I take them through the whole thing from beginning to end. Now I can do something a little bit lighter and social. And we do have something called wine and wicks. So people have their wine and, you know, then they can make the candles. Coming up in the new year, we are planning to do candles and conversations. Uh, so that's a night of, again, weaving in the stuff that I've done before, a night of talk while you're making candles. So yeah, I go big or go home. Mm. I go big or I go home. All right. So why don't you tell us some of the, the, the biggest challenges and lessons learned along the way. I know you've shared a few challenges just in getting where you are now. If you the haven't biggest, already mentioned them, what do you find? Sure, sure. Transparently, I think loneliness as you grow as an entrepreneur is a common thing that a lot of us suffer from because, you know, all of a sudden you don't have time to spend time with friends. And you know, you're constantly working late or people may not understand the road you're taking that I can't go out. I've got a, the money that I'm using on dinner. I, I, I can be buying some fragrance oils or I can be, you know, putting into the store or a lot of people know who I am. Right. And I recognize that, but that doesn't mean my circle is large. And so I think that's, 
that's definitely, I was speaking with another entrepreneur and they were saying the same thing. Also, I think being a public person, you always have to be on. Do you know what I mean? Like you always have to be the the funny one, the inspiring one, the person that people look up to. And sometimes that can be exhausting. Because, uh, you know, somebody working a nine to five or not in the public eye, they can take that hat off. I can never take that hat off. So I think, I think, I think I'm learning now to take that hat off and I'm realizing to say no to things and take time for self and health and family and, you know, a relationship would be really great too. So, you know. I think I actually need to make time for dating and, and looking for somebody like-minded for a romantic relationship. And I haven't made time for that. And so I think we all need that. And that's something that I definitely want to take time for. So I think those are some of the things I think constantly having to pivot can be exhausting. You know, it's like this pandemic, it's this last year, is, is completely different from this year for business. People were locked up. Everybody was buying unicorns on Amazon because they had all this money and they're just buying pure foolishness. And then these amazing candles came along. It was like, candles are comfort. Candles are, are a place for home, right? Now all of a sudden sun, summer comes and I've never experienced a summer outside of a pandemic. So now it's like, people aren't really thinking or they weren't thinking of candles. And then now the rush begins again. So it's constantly pivoting and not knowing and knowing, and it's, it's a continued journey for sure. Got it. I just wanted to ask you about, about your family. So it seems like you are somebody who's a very family oriented and, and are close, close to your family. Um, tell us about your family, your relationship with them. What have your conversations been like about your, the success that you're yeah, having? Those, it's so funny because when I first started doing the candles, <laughs> my parents, I had to block most of my parents' friends on Facebook. There was like one or two of them that would be like, you know what, your daughter put on the candle. Yeah, let me tell you what your daughter put on the candle. And I was just like, really, guys? Like, so my parents, needless to say, were not happy with the swearing on the candle. Even though we have 63 different labels right now, there's always one or two where I swear. And it was like, I don't think that's a very good image. And I don't think you're being a lady. And I just, this is embarrassing. You know what I mean? So it got to the point, like, I think there was one that talked about sex and I was so embarrassed. I think even the other day they came into the store and I had a waxed and vaxed candle. And my dad's like, waxed and vaxed, eh? Waxed and vaxed. <laughs> so I'm like, guys I'm so I'm so sorry but this is this is who I am like so I get it I get it it's a lot for them they're like in their late 70s I get it but I think now they realize you know they're very proud they came into the store and they're like you know Rach we're really proud of you I think they they just know like that's their daughter you know that that's who they are and and uh, I have a sister in Vancouver and she is, we are very close. I speak very openly about the fact that I lost my brother seven years ago, but he was a brilliant photographer and I am actually going to do a line of his photography on our candles for Black History Month called Through My Brother's Eyes. I guess that's my way of connecting our art together. And he was more politically incorrect than me, borderline offensive, extremely talented. And I think he would have been quite proud. He'd tease me about it, but I think he'd be quite proud. My niece and nephew, my niece is completely embarrassed. She's like, oh, Auntie Race, you're always on social media. And I can't, I'm like, it's embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, sorry, you know, Tori, that's just the way it is. So love my family. They have been the fabric of who I am. And, you know, West Indian mother was never created, wouldn't have been created without my West Indian mother. And, you know, it's just, we have a very rich culture that I'm, I'm proud of. We're, um, you know, our, our family could have been a TV show. 
but yeah, I love them to death and they, 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 they put up with me, you know? Love it. Love it. Love it. And totally just understand all of it. It's like, you're, you're out here and you're supposed to be, you know, representing the family oh. and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> imagine totally. how could you, you know, put her totally. on the streets like that. I love it. Love yeah, it. totally. And I wanted to ask you about uh, self-care. So obviously I've seen again, your, your journey. And some people might say, oh, how can you take a break? And, you know, but you have decided to let us know, Hey, I'm taking a break. And and then I love that you, I'm a big advocate of rest, taking rest when you need it. So why has that been important for you to prioritize your rest? And it's something I'm still working on, Asha. Um, I still haven't taken enough rest, but I definitely think that if I don't take rest. I'm not going to enjoy real talk candles. And if I don't enjoy it anymore, I can't do it anymore. And not only that, but when I was getting really tired, my creativity started to die and, and my thoughts around coming up with the label started to die. And I was just exhausted. And it was, you know, when you asked me to do this interview, you, you caught me at a time where I was like, oh, nah, man, I can't, I'm tired. You know what I mean? Like a lot of folks come at me for like stuff <laughs> and I was just getting tired. And if it, if it wasn't for the fact that I, I respect all that you do and I appreciate all that you do, I probably would have been like, I just, I can't, I need rest. And it's so important and I need to remind myself and I know, so I've already planned out January is going to be, I'm, I'm going to go online and say, guys, see you in February because from November to December, it is going to be extremely taxing, but rest is important because it, it just crushes me if I, if I don't get that rest, really important. I, I actually, it's funny. I was sent a video today from a follower And this is what I'm talking about, Asha. She sent me a video and this video talks about how fantastic you are and how powerful you are, but how you should take a break even if you can't afford it. And I went, wow, wow, it's so true. Like we sit there as entrepreneurs and go, yeah, but I can't afford to take a break. I gotta keep going. What if the sales go away? What if I lose people? And and I think we have to remember what if we lose ourselves? you know, health, you know, health is wealth really. So yeah, it's about taking a break and a, and a breath. You have been such an entertaining interview today. Oh, I, awesome. We are, we're approaching the closing questions and I got so many more, but we're going to, we're going to kind of start to unwind a little bit towards the end. Sure. And my first question for you is just, how are you getting ready for this upcoming holiday season? You've mentioned it twice. You said it's going to be crazy. Um, (laughs) I don't envy what you're about to go through, but how are you getting ready for the season that's ahead of you? Partially, it's, I don't know. (laughs) Partially is, I don't know what to expect. Partially is, I've spoke with other candle makers who are ahead of me. And I have poured a lot of candles. So my goal is to pour probably about three or 400 more. And then uh, all our Christmas candles are there. And then I start moving into spring. So in, in a couple weeks, I'll be moving into our spring scents. So I want to be ahead of the game. And just like, like some of the things we didn't have last year, we didn't have the time to like gift wrapping. We have customized candles. So uh, yeah. So we have to do, you know, Indigo and Oshawa and our own locations. So we have a location here and it's just a still continual learning experience. So I'll let you know (laughs) after the holidays. So yeah, but it, it, it generally will be a busy one. So what is apart from the holiday season? what's next for you? Like what, what are some of the things that you have in the works that the people should be looking forward to? See, here's the, that that's been the problem is that you heard all the stuff that I had done prior to. And I think with real talk, what it needs is an opportunity to grow. And so I think what I need to do is do one thing and do it well. And it's still so early in the game that 
I want to have possibly other locations in different provinces. I'd like to get in. I would love my own storefront. I also recognize that Real Talk Candles is a brand. It's not just candles, it's a brand. So our thoughts are, we've already started to think um, that our products will expand. You know, you asked, are they buying candle? Are they buying a product? Are they buying a journey? And I think whether Real Talk is a candle, whether Real Talk is a journal, whether Real Talk is a wine glass, I think we'll continue to tell those stories. So who knows? We have some ideas for the coming year, but you know, our, I, I'm I'm pleased to say that I think people call me the candle queen. I, I want to continue to to be the candle queen. All right. So where can they find the candle queen when he's not taking a break? Yeah. Where can where can they find me or where yes. can they find the candles? Your choice. You tell them what the best way to, to follow this journey. Best on. way is our Instagram, which is real talk candles i'm slithering over to tiktok but right now our instagram is our our biggest resource we opened up we'd love to see more people down at our location we're in leslieville so we're at 302 carla avenue unit 114 so we're between dundas and queen on on um carla you can also find us in indigo in oshawa and chapters in ajax and that's yeah. Hey, Durham. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I, I must say, the Durham Queens, you know, Black Queens of Durham have been, oh my God, so supportive. One of the most supportive groups ever. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that you created that. Yeah. Great job, Asha. I've been trying to get into that group for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First, not not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so our our closing question is the same for everybody. Sure. First words or thoughts when you hear the word harmony. Ooh, alignment. Alignment. Yeah. I don't think you can have harmony without alignment. Alignment spiritually, emotionally, physically. When you have alignment, you have harmony. Awesome. Love that answer. Thank you very much for, for entertaining us today. You were awesome to interview, and I'm sure the listeners are going to be in for a treat. So thank you very much, Rachel. Thank You're you so welcome. Much, Rachel. You're welcome. Your my honesty, vulnerability, and your generosity with your time with us today. You are Appreciate welcome. It. Thank you so much, guys.